The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like covering for our friends, neurodiversity and dating, and trusting our instincts in sex. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed or trained mental health practitioners, right? relationship people. right? We are not doctors of love. Nope. We are just two people right. trying. We're not lawyers of love, carpenters of love. <laughs> That's right. Just trying to, you, you know, because there's no court of love. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I realized that you got several DMs that that was a funny joke. So I, I, I take it back. Very funny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, this is all to say, Sam and I, we're not even comedians either. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, we are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So please take our advice as you see fit in your life. Uh, before we get into this week's check-in topic, I want to remind everybody that our virtual Valentine's Day live show is coming up fast and hot, quick and steamy, something like that. Come, is that mm, a mm, people don't yes, people don't say it. any of that, right? Okay, so <laughs> no. it's coming in uh, up 
on Saturday, February 13th. It's happening at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can get your tickets right now. It's only $5 at JustBreakUpPod.com. But the thing I wanted to talk about today, other than reminding everybody to get their ticket, is what a cute and fun experience that these virtual live shows have been um, for our community. For anybody who has been to it before Mm -hmm. and you've watched it maybe on your computer, uh, it's going to be live streamed through YouTube. And so that means there's like a live chat happening with all of our listeners and Spencer, a.k.a. Big Cats. Um, And it is my wife watched our last show and she said it's easily one of the best parts about the show. No offense to us, but because all of our listeners are like commenting (laughs) along the letters and they're like, um, you know, they are, uh, having camaraderie and sharing jokes and Spencer pops in there every once in a while. And I just think that's such a fun, special thing that we all have been missing that like community dialogue a lot because of quarantine. And it's something that, like, Mm. I didn't know was going to happen when we started doing these virtual shows. So I just wanted to share that with everybody on our um, on our main episodes. Uh, If you're interested in that, if you want some community, if you want to maybe meet some cute JBU fans in your area um, and you want to watch us do a live show the day before Valentine's Day, go to JustBreakUpPod.com to get your tickets now. Yeah, I'm it's going to be super fun. And also. I'm going to be dressed like that uh, romance novel <laughs> cover that you made for oh, us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have never, <laughs> we have yet to talk about the flyer that Spencer and I made um, on the episode uh, on air. We made this amazing flyer. And if you haven't seen it yet, check it out on our Instagram or on the website where you can buy our tickets. But basically, Spencer um, put Sam and I's faces on an, on a, juicy hot steamy romance novel co- cover and sam is shirtless and wearing mm-hmm. very muscular and wearing a kilt i believe <laughs> yes yep. and mm-hmm. it's just like probably the best thing that i have ever helped create so um go check it out now <laughs> <laughs> we should like make posters of the, that and like I sell it definitely had that idea <laughs> um so let us know if you want a poster sounds- of sam and i as a romance cover <laughs> Romance novel cover. I'm realizing how like narcissistic that sounds now oh, that I, I said had it out that loud. But I think it would be funny. I would buy that for sure. At for least myself. a postcard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's cute. <laughs> All right. What's our check in topic for today, Sam? Okay. Our check in topic is inspired by uh, a person who wrote a letter. So uh, this person is Polite Princess, who is writing from her castle, duh, <laughs> which I love. Um, and polite princess is basically like, I know I have an anxious attachment style. Um, I tend to be attracted to people who have avoidant attachment styles. Ain't that the truth. And I'm just, right? <laughs> you and me both. No, just kidding. I'm, I'm not anxiously attached. <laughs> um, and so the question is basically like, you know, I've, I'm doing the things to be able to like identify avoidant attachment styles in people but like what do i say to people when i'm not interested in them like Mm. what do i say when i'm like oh i don't think this is gonna work because like you're you're avoiding i'm and i'm anxious she even writes saying i think we want different things or i don't know i don't think we're compatible seems mean and borderline offensive no right and she doesn't want to ghost but she's just trying to figure out like what are the things that you can Mm. say to like make a clean break with someone that's not like Mm, you're awful. I don't want to date you. So right. I thought we could talk a little bit about sort of 
boundaries and how to talk to people about ways in which we're not compatible um, yeah. and like how icky that feels sometimes. And um, well, I think that polite princess like hit the nail on the anxiously attached head <laughs> by saying, um, you know, <laughs> by, by articulating the idea that to say we're not compatible is unkind. Right. That is something I feel in my marrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even even now, with all the tools that I have, I feel as though to reject someone is is hurtful, even though I know it is my inherent mm-hmm. right as a as a human, even though the, I know that there can be nothing hurtful behind something like that. It, I think anxiously attached people um, and, you know, like I'm an Enneagram too. blah, 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 like. I think there's a lot of personality types out there, no matter what scale you're using to measure them, that find that type of rejection, even if it's authentic, very challenging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's that's real. Um, (laughs) And I appreciate that you feel that way. But I'll tell you that like saying to someone, I don't think you're compatible is not offensive. (laughs) Yeah. Say it again for me like 80 more times for the rest of my life, Sam. (laughs) Like literally, when I read this letter, polite I princess, had... I underlined it, and I like had I put like a seven question marks down to it next to it, and was like, I was like, how is this offensive? Like, yeah. and I I what I love is that like that Sierra and I are so different in some of these ways that it like it's like oh I guess I guess it could feel offensive to people because like to me I'm just like me not being compatible with someone has nothing to do with like me as a person. Like right. it just means that me and this other person aren't compatible. And right. I would honestly rather know that up front so that I'm not spending a lot of time like right. wasting a lot of time trying to make a relationship happen. That's not going to like, yes. Does it like hurt does it in hurt? Like, a visceral yes. way? Like, right. yeah, it's like, Oh, Oh, like it's hard to read that as not being personal, but like, it's really not. Not personal, and it's better than ghosting. Yes. So. <laughs> well, I, I actually, there's two things that I, I pulled out of what you were saying, too, is is that there, there's a difference. Now I know, now I understand that there's a difference between the hurt you were just talking about, like the actual, like, mm-hmm. discomfort of disappointing someone or rejecting someone or, right. like, facing that potential conflict and um being cruel there's a difference between something being uncomfortable and something being offensive you know um Mm -hmm. or intentionally hurtful and on top of it this is the lesson that i have had to learn repeatedly is that being my truthful authentic self um telling someone that like this is my boundary I'm not interested. I don't think we're compatible or whatever is more kind, as you were saying, than ghosting Mm -hmm. or living an inauthentic life. Because let me tell you, that's I feel like that's what I did for so many relationships I had, both like romantic Mm -hmm. friendship, physical, like like sexually. I felt like it was it was kinder and easier to not be my authentic, honest self and just go on with it, like date someone too long or have sex with somebody who I didn't want to have sex with, right? Um, mm-hmm. And if I had just taught my, if I had learned earlier that the that there's, tr- there's kindness and power in leaning into that discomfort of that conflict, I would have saved myself. It's the kind thing for everyone, you know? I would have saved myself mm-hmm. a lot of heartbreak. Um, it's more kind for the partner for the for the other party but it's also kinder to yourself to just be upfront about it and not have to fold yourself into anything 
that you don't want to be or do. Mm-hmm. Have you, I mean, as an anxiously attached person, have you been able to like text oh someone and be like, hey, I don't think that this is working out? Like, <laughs> why do you have to put me on blast like that? Because like, I'm not sure if I have ever been as explicit as I tell our listeners to be. That's like the moment of accountability here is that like, well, also, I have to be transparent and say, like, you know, I'm happily married now, um, so I didn't have to, like, reject my wife. <laughs> um, but that <laughs> I didn't, you know, I haven't I haven't been in a situation in which I've had to practice that muscle uh, romantically since we started the podcast and really since I learned so much, right, about life and dating. And mm-hmm. um, but... I think about, I have, you know what I did do? I, I've told this story about how my wife and I reconnected and how she had, there was a history of us like flitting into each other's lives for like a moment and like me getting excited and and hoping that there's a potential and then like that being just squashed because we lived in different states and we were in different relationships or whatever. When um, mm-hmm. she emailed me to reconnect, I remember laying down the line. Like, I remember saying, we were kind of emailing back and forth, and she was like, tell me more. And I basically said, like, I'm not going to tell you more unless we have a phone call, because I'm not interested in you being in my life temporarily. Um, I said it, like, a little bit more eloquent, eloquently than that, but it was just as blunt. And to be honest, it felt awesome. And it, it, the, the initial discomfort of like being afraid of, of like hurting her or, or coming off too strong or turning her off or whatever it was, it felt like I was finally, for the first time in like my life, like being kind to myself and being true to my, to, to my, mm. my desires and myself. Um, so there's an example of that. However, if I was like, this is why I'm terrible at breaking up with people. I have no, I have no fucking clue why I host this show. <laughs> like, it's because you're like talking to yourself, really. <laughs> yes, probably that's why we're successful. It's because I'm just like, Sam, give me more advice. <laughs> um, can you, oh, sage and noble, uh, stably attached person, or what is it called? Um, securely attached. Securely attached person now. Um, can you give us some scripts for how this could go down for people? Yeah. Um, I would say probably like send a text or whatever. Depends on sort of like how long you've been dating this person. But just being like, hey, I've really gotten or I've really enjoyed getting to know you, but I think that we want different things out of this relationship or I'm just picking up on some incompatibilities between us. And so I'm... I wish you all the best, but I'm no longer interested in dating. Right? <laughs> like, I, honestly, that is the I think I could I do it use. now in my life, but it, in the years past, it was very challenging. Um, and I, I love yeah, and that script. For sure. And I have I have literally used that script before with people. Right. Just saying, like, being honest about what I want and, and like, honestly positioning it as as me, not them, which is, like... It's not that it's not you. It's me. But literally, it's like, I just don't want to be in this relationship. It has nothing to do with who you are. Like, you're fine is because like, that's the reality. Like, that is what dating is. It is not like us making judgments about people's souls. Right. right. Like, it is making judgments about whether or not this person is someone that you want to be in relationship with. So, right. And like, 
there's so much that's fraught about relationships and there's so much that that is tied into it. And like people can really be bad people in relationships. So like, I, I understand that there's definitely like elements of that, that, that we talk about all the time on this podcast, but it is really just two people trying to see like, does this work? Does this not work? And it doesn't mean that one of us is failing or a bad person. It just means that like our goals are different. Our lifestyles are different. Our choices, our values, our preferences, um, and I think once we get to the point where we can like recognize that and like live in that as much as possible, it just like makes everything so much easier. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And I think too, I, I think what's important, what we forget, and I'm not even sure, like I'm going to address this to us anxiously attached people, but I think this could be pretty universal. So Sam just gave us all a great script and a great starting point for like living our authentic truth and knowing that us living our authentic truth is not intentionally hurting people. Mm-hmm. But then that discomfort, that anxiety that comes up at the thought of like that person reads the text and their day is ruined or the person reads the text and they feel rejected or they hate you or whatever. The discomfort that comes up at that now can only be um, comforted by yourself. Like that, that is, that's the mm-hmm. muscle that we need to strengthen is saying, I know I'm probably hurting this person's feelings. I know that they might feel uncomfortable right now. I feel uncomfortable right now, but it is my human inherent right to live my authentic truth, you know? And I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I'm okay. And this is, feels uncomfortable, but I'm okay. I know I'm a good person. I'm doing the best that I can. I wish that person right. well. Like that self-comforting thing is really what I think I didn't have and still mm-hmm. work to build, um, which got me into a lot of situations that I didn't want to be in. And it's funny how connected they are. We think in relationships so often that we, I, you know, I think I think for most of my younger years, I thought relationships had to do with other people. And now I see so fucking clearly that they have everything to do with yourself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> most narcissistic uh, thing I've ever said. <laughs> but it's, it's 100% true. Yeah. Right. And like, we're not bad people because we disappoint other people. Like we are not bad people because we make boundaries that other people don't like. Right. Like, And I think, yeah, I think we just get so tied up in like, in the idea that like our worth is, is defined by other people that suddenly when it's like, oh my God, this person's mad at me. It means I'm a horrible person. Oh my God. That is like, that is the cross I literally bear, but I know it's irrational. You say it out loud and I'm like, I know that's not true. Um, but it feels it feels true. Yeah, totally. But- My therapist and I are talking a lot about how things that feel true <laughs> are true. <laughs> yeah, I remember my therapist said not. Uh, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's real. And I was like, listen, bitch. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was like, back off. <laughs> My anxiety is lying to me, but I need to listen to it. Because like, what if it's telling the truth? Anyway, mm-hmm. that's like. No, that's that is that is very real. Anyway, um, yeah, on that note, <laughs> I want to get into yeah. some letters. Yes, that sounds good. Thank you, um, Polite Princess, for for writing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, first letter. This is so juicy. Um, so we're going to start off this episode with juice. Uh, that is creepy. <laughs> Continuing on. This letter is from Stressed and Sad, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I absolutely love your podcast, and I'm sad I didn't find it sooner when I was going through a nasty breakup last year. But your advice is healing me daily, and I am addicted. 
Thank you so much. I'm writing this uh, because I think it is a bizarre, unique situation. It absolutely is. (laughs) And I also uh, feel incredibly stressed to be a part of it. My roommate, let's call her Kate, has been in two monogamous relationships for over a year now. Both men think she is only dating and in love with them. For the first month or so of her dating, both of them, she made it abundantly clear to us that she was going to end it with both soon. But it was evident she started to develop serious feelings for both. She got all the roommates to lie for her constantly. And it got so bad that she would go on vacation with one boyfriend while the other boyfriend stayed in her bed at college. It started to get so, so fucked up. She literally just brought both boyfriends to anniversary dates at the same restaurant in the same week. She hangs out with both families, tells both men she loves them, and they're both madly in love with her. The problem is I, and probably about 20 to 25 others, know this. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's so many. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I know this is... Okay. I'm just like very giggly and this is bonkers. So the problem is I and probably 20 to 25 others know this secret and I've hid it from both men despite knowing how despicable it is. No one wants to be the the final straw and Kate has manipulated us all uh, so much into believing we will fuck up her entire life if we reveal her true self. My roommates and I are good friends with one of the guys and know how much it will crush him and cause horrible trust issues in the future. We all know we are a part of the problem and feel so, so guilty and sad we haven't spoken up. I know her behavior can't continue, but what if she doesn't stop? Do we have the right to step in and tell the men that they've been fucked with for a a year? Sorry for cussing the lies, deception, and evil. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry for... Sorry for cussing the lies, deception, and evil has have really messed with all of us for too long. If you have any piece of advice, please help us. Stressed and sad. Oh, <laughs> I just need to, I'm sorry I just that you're laugh. stressed and sad. This is not <laughs> funny. I mean, like it, it, it. I can, I can on the outside and say, "Oh my god, this is juicy and wild," and I'm gonna laugh. But also, I just want to acknowledge this is very stressful. Um, and like toxic let's just say that word but i just need to laugh at how bonkers this letter is no it is every so like when i read letters like it's when peter and i are like sitting together like watching something on tv and i'm like reading through all the letters and every once in a while i'll stop and be like peter (laughs) listen to this let me tell you, this letter was like one of those like, hang on, pause the housewives for a second. Oh my we god, need because to I have talk something about what juicier. Is <laughs> yeah. This is more dramatic than the housewives. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Here we go. But just because it's juicy yes. does not mean that it isn't also like an incredibly stressful situation to yes. be in. And I and I am so sorry that you are feeling so stressed and sad about this situation, and that it feels like you are being forced. To do something that's against who you are and who your values are, um, like as as dramatic and ridiculous as the situation is, I also want to acknowledge that like it definitely hurts to be in it. Yes, and and I and our laughing at it isn't meant to to make you feel any less like this is real because it yes. it's we're laughing because of like how. It's like a trauma laugh in some ways where it's well, just I like the situation is just so weird that like, how would you even how would you even navigate it? This is a perfect example of why humans can't 
be trusted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is why we don't have nice things, humans, you know, because we are so sloppy. We are so, uh, we're just messy humans. Like, this is, I feel for, mm. I feel for, I honestly feel for this girl, the roommate. Um, mm-hmm. I think that she has a lot of reckoning to do and she's hurting a lot of people, which means she's hurting a lot. But I really feel for the boyfriends and I really feel for the roommates. Like, I. The 20 to 25 people who know about this. <laughs> The small lecture class worth of people who know about this. I think this is a this is a perfect example of the harm that entanglements going to steal Jada's word can (laughs) cause, you know, on communities. Mm -hmm. And and uh, honestly, like I am not here to to I'm not here to yell or shame this this girl. Um, I think that she is going to have her own like shame reckoning. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're just going to like, mm-hmm. s- we're going to step past that because like y'all know what we would say to this girl, like yeah. get, get, get your life right. You know, like make some hard choices, lean into the discomfort and fucking break up. <laughs> um, right. Lean into the discomfort of your authentic truth, which is like as of right now, a compulsive liar and manipulator, <laughs> you know, like that is an uncomfortable <laughs> truth that you need to lean into, you know? No, that's um, real. That's real. But so let's talk about the 20 to 25 people and especially our darling friend, stressed and sad who wrote in. Um, I just want to say uh, you, you have a line in your letter of like, no one wants to be the final straw. And she has manipulated all of, the, all of us into believing we will fuck up her entire life if we reveal her true self. And let me just loud and clear and tell you, you're not going to fuck up this person's life. This person is an autonomous adult who is making these mm-hmm. decisions herself. Um, and if Absolutely. she wants to make you feel bad for the consequences of her actions, then that is her unhealthy coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this as a little bit of accountability for you all is that you all have allowed her to to do these actions that you think are wrong without any consequences to them. Right. Like she is actively trying to avoid the consequences of her bad actions. Right. Which is lying to these two people. Um, And you all are helping her avoid those consequences. So the fact that you are... if you create a space where those consequences come up, it doesn't mean that you created the consequences, right? Mm, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you made them happen. It means that you are now taking a step back from enabling her to not yeah. face any consequences yeah. of those actions. And when Sam says that, it's not that he means, it's not like, this is, you guys, this is your fault. He obviously just explained no, that really she, beautifully. She is, but yeah. also think about it in terms of, when we use the word enabling, we often use it in terms of um, people who have substance abuse problems or mental health um, uh, issues that they're not dealing with or whatever. What Sam is and I are saying is explicitly is that you are help you are hurting her quote recovery by allowing her to continue this hurtful behavior. Um, yep. I I do want to like interrupt my own thought process for one moment and ask you, Sam, like we get a lot of letters about people hating their friend's boyfriend or knowing that their friend is making unhealthy choices. Like and a lot of our advice to that is like you can't control other people, you know. Yep. So I want to acknowledge that and also ask you, Sam, about like, well, how do you how do you navigate that 
knowing that one, you guys are all wrapped up in this as of right now, because it's been a year, the 20 to 25 of you all are, are technically active participants in this thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. You yep. know, it, you're, it's, it's, uh, it's been involved, you know, but mm-hmm. at the same time, this is this person's choices. It's, it's, you can't control them. You can't, you can't control other people. You know, like, does, do you get the point I'm trying to make? Like, how do we make space for, for sure. both of those ideologies? Yeah, well, you can't control your friend. You can't get her to stop lying. You can't get her to not date these people, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can't force her to do anything. But you do have autonomy in this situation, which is that you have the choice to stop lying. Mm-hmm. About what's happening. You have the choice to stop participating in the lie that she's perpetuating. Yeah. Like you have you have full, full autonomy over that portion of it. Right. Like you can say, I'm not going to lie to you anymore. But you can continue dating both of them. Right. Like you can't you can't control that aspect, but you can control how how much of a role you play in her deception of these two men. Mm -hmm. And I. And I think that that's a different circumstance than when our friend is dating someone we don't like, right? Mm. Because we can't stop that friend from dating someone. Right. But this situation is she's forcing you to be, not even forcing you, right? It might feel like forcing, but but you do have control in the situation. You're actively participating in, in the, the lie that these two men are living. And a, honestly, a person that's a good friend of yours, like... And so I want, I don't say this in a way of like judginess. Like, I don't want you to feel like, oh God, I'm a horrible person. But what no, I do want you to feel. this is such a messy situation. Yeah. For sure. I want you to feel empowered to be able to make decisions that are better in line with your values and your relationship with one or both of these people. Yeah. Right. Like, like, I think you ask in this, do we have the right to step in and tell the men that they've been fucked with all year? Yes, you do have that right. Like, I feel adamantly about that. I don't know how Sierra feels about it. But like, the fact that one of these people is your good friends, like, you absolutely have the right to say, like, I just want you to know that this has been happening to you. You have been unwittingly participating in this relationship in a way that you didn't you didn't ask for. Consent to. Right. And and I think that you are absolutely because your friend has has brought you into this situation, has brought you into this lie and made you a co-conspirator in it. Like you have the right to no longer participate and to tell your friend the truth about what you've been doing and how you've been covering up this lie. Yeah. Well, I you asked me how I felt and I I don't feel as strongly and I as you as like to this to the right to tell the friend. And it's not because I disagree with you. I think you're right. I like as a, as a concept, this, this friend has a right to tell her friends. She has a right to not participate in this lie as Mm -hmm. a anxiously attached person who struggles (laughs) with, uh, who has a chronic um, and potentially unrelated fear of conflict. um, Mm -hmm. I, I would struggle with this similarly to stressed and sad. I would struggle with where my rights were. Um, and I would struggle because I know no matter what I do, hurt is involved. No matter what I do, if yes. I don't say anything, I'm hurting somebody. If I do say something, I'm hurting something. And I want to remind <laughs> yeah. you and I that this is the fucking roommate we're talking about. This is somebody you have to like wake up and like brush your teeth next to. So that's like a Very whole true. added level of stress. Like, you know, I originally I in my notes, I wrote, what friendship are you upholding? You know, like this person is obviously not earning your friendship right now. So what where mm. is your 
onus to where's your loyalty lie because it shouldn't be with this friend because mm-hmm. she's treating you poorly but then again it's like a roommate and that's like such a that's such a messy stressful living situation but to go back t- 20 seconds ago to answer this question like <laughs> this letter is all about boundaries it's all about what we were talking about in our check-in topic is that like mm-hmm. you st- stressed and sad have a right um, to set up boundaries within your living situation, set up boundaries within, within your friendships, within your familiar relationships, your romantic relationship. And, and this is just another example. Your boundary can be, I'm not going to lie to lie for you. Your boundary can be, mm-hmm. I, this feels uncomfortable to me. I'm not going to participate in it. Um, your boundary can be saying you're, being a shitty friend and I'm not going to, I can't, I can't uphold this friendship anymore. Um, you mm-hmm. just have to f- taking Sam's word, that empowerment word, you have to feel empowered and also self-comforted to know that it, 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 that this chaos, this discomfort, this, this toxicity is not of your creation, but you have to face it a little. You have to lean into this discomfort to get to a place yep. of authenticity. And just like that line in the email that I wrote, um, that I talked about earlier, it's gonna, it's gonna feel uncomfortable leaning into it, but it's gonna feel better to be yep. your truthful self, to like extricate yourself from this bullshit. For sure. And I think, you know, I think that you can do this in a way that that sort of that recognizes your own autonomy and and sort of takes away the the sensationalist <laughs> nature of this situation, right? Can you sit down with your friends, right, your roommate, and say, "I am really um, deeply uncomfortable with how much I have lied to this person that that you are dating. I am no longer going to to." lie on your behalf anymore so you can either find a way to tell this person about this situation i don't like i have no control over that but just know that i'm no longer going to participate in actively deceiving this person right yes uh and And that's and that's not judgment of her that is just you saying you are establishing your own boundaries about what you are going to do right right. not about what she's going to do you're not going to force her you're not going to say she's a bad person you're just going to say, I'm no longer comfortable lying so much. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. I want you to know that so that you can figure out how you're going to move forward. But my boundary is no more deception of this man that I know that I am good friends with. And you might say like, well, I know I'm going to see him. So how do I handle it? Honestly, the most suave way I can think of is like if he asks you anything that puts you in a position where you have to lie, you have to say like, I have drawn a new boundary in so-and-so's and I's friendship. And you're going to need to talk to her about that. Yes. Yep. That's exactly what I would do too. Yeah. Yep. Um, If you are, if you're not ready to sort of sit down with him and like come out with the full truth, if you don't want to sort of play that role, I think that that, that for me is the most respectful way that you can say to both of them, (laughs) right. To say like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to tell your secret, but I'm also not going to participate in it. And if you, and you two need to communicate about what's happening because I'm not, I'm no longer going to be in the middle of this deception. Yep. And I know that's uncomfortable and I know it makes you feel like a bad roommate and a bad friend. Um, but you're not, this is just a shitty human life experience that you found yourself in the middle of. And now you get the gift, the gift of deciding how you want to move forward in it, right? Every day we get a, mm-hmm. we get a new chance to like 
to re-up that authenticity, right? To, to recommit to ourselves. And you have an opportunity now to, to deal with this on your terms instead of on your roommate's terms. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you have upheld this lie for a year. It can change today. Absolutely. All right, stress and sad. I give you explicit permission to uh, play this for the 20 to 25 other people who are in this situation too, if you think it'll help. <laughs> Maybe play it in your quad or wherever I like to imagine you that live. you all... <laughs> Yeah, right. I was like, maybe you should do you all convene together because that's what I'm imagining is that you all like you get together to have like a summit on the situation. (laughs) This requires like a secret service level of intercommunication, you know, right? Uh, No shame. Um, Stress and sad. We know you guys are just doing the best that you can. Um, So good luck. We hope this helps. Thanks for writing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like use the middle person. Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Closeted Autie, who is writing from Wisconsin. Dear Sam and Sierra, first, thank you for your podcast and for sharing the letters and your insight with all of us listeners. It has truly made me more open person and has given me new perspectives. It has been incredibly healing for me to listen along with you this last year. So again, thank you. I am writing to you because I was recently diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. I am a young woman in my early 20s, and although I think that I appear quite, quote, normal, whatever that means, lol, outwardly, inwardly, I have felt that I was different for my entire life. Quick sidebar about ASD. Women often go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed since the vast majority of research has been done on men and young boys. Symptoms of ASD typically present differently in women and camouflaging or studying others in order to adopt social norms and mask autistic traits is much more common in women than it is in men. When I realized I was autistic, I cannot explain the wave of relief that washed over me. All my life, I have believed that I was just bad at being a human. I struggled with extreme self-hatred and exhaustion from camouflaging all the time without even realizing Mm. I was doing it. But once I realized that there wasn't anything wrong with me as a human, I was just autistic. A huge weight was lifted. I feel more accepting of myself for who I am and can appreciate all the positive aspects of my autism while actually giving myself space to decompress instead of pushing myself to a breaking point. So my question is, how do I tell people in my life that I'm autistic without freaking them out? To me, it's no big deal. It's actually good news. But I've only told my good, true love fiance so far because I just don't know how our friends and family will take it. I'm scared of being gaslit, aka you don't seem autistic, judged for it, or simply treated differently than I am now. It scares me that some of the people close to me may have prejudices that I don't know about. Basically, I wish people could just know without me having to tell them, huh? It's not something I want to feel the need to hide from people or keep a big secret. I would truly love to be able to be an advocate for autism acceptance and neurodiversity. So my non-autistic spirit guides, what do I do? Any insight and advice would be of great help to me. Also, even if this never makes it on the podcast, I am so thankful for you or to you for reading it. All my love, Closeted Audie. Oh, Closeted Audie, thank you so much for writing, for listening to our show and congratulations. I felt such um, a level of love and admiration while reading this letter, um, particularly because your story stood out to me. Um, there's someone in my social circle who who has a similar trajectory to you, um, found out uh, that they were autistic and um, are a young woman as well. So found out about the, all of the layers of um, how autism is not diagnosed in women in the same way, doesn't show, present in the same way, et cetera 
what I'm trying to say is felt that extreme relief um, and almost a sense of celebration when they found out because um, it was such an empowering step in their lives and in their own self-discovery. So uh, I'm so happy to hear mm-hmm. of that experience um, for you. And I'm so I'm just so happy for you. That is that is a major stepping stone in your life, I feel like. Absolutely. And I feel like that that piece of suddenly understanding that you're no longer like that you're not just a a poorly functioning human. (laughs) It's like honestly really relatable to me, you know, in ways because like when I was, you know, having significant issues with depression and anxiety too, like it just felt like, oh, I just was not coping as well as everyone else. Like I just, everyone else was doing fine. And I was just like bad at, at figuring out how to, how to cope with things. But having that diagnosis of depression and anxiety was like, oh, this is, this isn't just me being bad at doing this, but it's about me having something that like I can identify, I can work on, I can learn to adapt to like, and so I, I appreciate that, that sentiment because I do think it is really important for us as we think about sort of reducing the stigma around mental illness, reducing sort of the prejudice against um, neurodiversity, right? Like, that that actually these types of diagnoses can be can be liberating and are actually super helpful. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we're broken or there's anything wrong with us. It just means that there is now something that we can identify so that we can begin to work through what that means for us and and the ways that we need to adapt or flourish or celebrate or whatever it is to get to a point where we feel more comfortable in the skin that we're in and with the the brains that we have. Right, totally. And I think Sam was like uh, hinting at something we want to touch on too is that, you know, we, we have made a lot of strides in... Um, better understanding neurodiversity, um, but we still have a long way to go. And unfortunately, in the same way that we live in a patriarchy, we live in a white supremacy, we live in a society that um, assumes uh, neurotypicalness and also um, Mm -hmm. the does a lot of assumption, harmful assumption in so many ways. We talk about like invisible uh, disabilities, mental illness, things like that. Uh, The same way we assume fucking heteronormativity, Mm -hmm. you know? So we want to, we want to give you hope and we want to share in this celebration, but we also want to acknowledge the reality of our circumstances. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to contribute to any potential gaslighting by saying solely Mm -hmm. that this is an amazing thing for you and everybody's going to be so cool. Although I, I, although I, I want to say that. And although my, some of my heart believes that to be true because of the strides we've made, because of how we can empower our loved ones to empower us. I don't Mm -hmm. want to, um, I don't want to just say this is, going to be a great thing (laughs) you you know what i mean (laughs) although i think that although i think that this can be that this is such a gift that this gives you um shared language this gives you um something to point to you know like i i think about Mm -hmm. how often how helpful it is to have things like um labels or diagnoses or things like that to point to our identity to say this this is it you know to help our loved ones love us better um but there's also the reality that we live in, right? For sure. Absolutely. And and your concern about, you know, being gaslit, about being judged for it, about being treated differently. 
I wish I could tell you that that's not going to happen when you when you sort of come out as someone with autism. But exactly what Sierra said, right? Like we do live in a society that sort of centers uh, neurotypicalness, that understands neurodiversity as being something that's wrong with people, which it's not, to be clear. I'm just stating right. the like acknowledging the reality, not saying that it's a good thing that this exists. And so, like, yeah, you're going to come across people who are going to gaslight you about it. You're going to come across people who judge you for it. You are going to come across people who treat you differently because of it. And I and I Sierra and I just want to state that explicitly because we don't want to participate in the gaslighting of you. We don't want to participate in toxic positivity. Um, and we want you to acknowledge that reality, too, so that you can figure out things that you can do to protect what feels like a gift to you from other people who might want to diminish that gift or might right. not understand it in the way that you want them to understand it. Yeah. Because this, this diagnosis is a gift for you and other people's reactions to it don't affect that whatsoever. Yes. I'm so glad you said it so explicitly like that. It is no matter if people think that this is a horrible, like detrimental diagnosis and that you should be so sad about it doesn't matter because it, you're not sad about it. And yeah. it's not a horrible detrimental diagnosis. I think I, I'm so glad you said it so explicitly because you started to you started to touch on something that like I didn't know. I don't know how I want to articulate this, but it's so present in my heart right now, which is, you know, you write, I'm scared of being gas gaslit, judged for it, simply treated differently. Right. And the word scared, like it, it it hurts me in this letter. You know, it hurts me mm, in this mm -hmm. celebratory, proud, freeing, empowering letter. Um, it hurts me that our that our our fear can take away from us in such a profound way. Or like it can attack what is mm. what is what is joyful for us, you know? And this mm -hmm. isn't um this is this is about all fear, not just you, um, closeted Audie, that it your fear is just and your fear is a tool, <laughs> you know, like your fear <laughs> is is valid um, mm -hmm. and comes from from reality. Right. Like, as we said, and also your fear is being an asshole right now. It's trying to take away the power that you have found in this in this experience. And so there has to be a I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. how I'm going to say this, <laughs> but there has to be a way for us to negotiate both of them, right? I think it comes down to just validating yourself, right? I'm scared mm -hmm. of being gaslit, but if I'm if I'm told that I don't seem autistic, their opinion of me doesn't matter. I'm scared of being judged for it, but their bigotry and their misunderstanding of me doesn't define me. I'm scared of being treated mm -hmm. differently. Well, if I'm treated differently, then I'm going to educate them if I have the bandwidth and the energy, or I'm going to ignore them because I know they don't have, um, because they don't matter in my self-definition de in my life. Um, and that's fucking hard work, right? It, our brains do not deal with nuance well, and our brains... We want one track thinking. We want it to be like any brain, hypothetically. Um, we want it to, to yep. I guess what I'm saying is like joy and fear. They want to, they want to like take up all the space themselves. Um, it's hard for them to live mm -hmm. in the same place at the same time, but they, they kind of have to. And we have to learn the language of talking to both of them at the same time. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, I think that that, that's, incredibly real and it's 
I think it's important for us to to just also call out here that like um that that having autism isn't the problem in our mm-hmm. society, right? Like the the prejudice against people with autism is the problem. Right. And so and I think it's important for you to remember that and I think it's also important for for us folks who haven't been diagnosed with with autism to remember that too that like this diagnosis isn't a bad thing the people's reactions to it the fact right. that we live in a society that doesn't acknowledge or create space for the many neurodiversities that exist within right. it like that's the problem and i think so often we as a society really think of autism or other types of of neurodiverse um diagnoses as being like oh that's so sad that that person has to go through that when our reaction should be oh it's so sad that we live in a society where that is like diagnosed as a problem or like that person is going to struggle in different ways because of the the prejudice that exists around it not because of the diagnosis yeah and so I just want to say that explicitly for all of us, like people who haven't been diagnosed with any sort of, of neurodiverse diagnosis and just say, like, I want us to see that. Right. And notice how the fact that th- that our letter writer here, Closet Audi, thinks that this diagnosis is a gift to them and they feel like they have to hide it because we're not ready for it. Right. <laughs> like, well, and, and the foundation of this letter is how do I prevent um, how do I prevent or avoid people from being bigoted assholes? When the question should always be, how are right? we, how can we be less bigoted assholes? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. But let's get to the letter writer's actual like question <laughs> of advice um, instead mm-hmm. of ranting um, about our own <laughs> in- in- ineptitudes. Um, so I want to empower you, Closeted Audie, um, to continue to carry this as a joyful gift um, to that. Uh, that has no um, that is that cannot be touched by others. But we also want to talk about how we can bring this to our loved ones, bring this to people who we love and care about and trust. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you uh, you've obviously put a lot of thought and care into this diagnosis. You put a lot of thought and care into the um, potential conflict or shortcomings of these interactions, but we can put an equal amount of thought and care into how we want to approach this conversation. You know, I think if somebody sat me down and said, I have something important to share you. And it's important to me, uh, that you, ex- that you receive this information with no judgment and, and see it as the gift that it is right. Like if somebody tells mm-hmm. me explicitly how they want me to react, nine times out of 10, I'm going to react that way. <laughs> like if you give me the manual <laughs> of how you want me to support you, I can mm-hmm. do that. I know that that is not every circumstance and it's it's I have no lived experience that is comparable to this experience. But um, I think you can be really explicit, especially with the people you love and trust, like your fiance, as you said, in saying like, this has made me feel awesome. I don't want you to treat me differently. I don't want you to, uh, I want you to understand that autism presents differently in women. So you might not have assumed this before, but it has been a very empowering discovery for me. Something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will also say um, that I know that you're sort of trying to figure out how you can be out and proud and be an advocate for uh, folks with autism, right? While also 
sort of balancing the the idea that you need to protect your heart too, right? Like you need to you need to keep the thing that is your gift from being viewed differently by different people. And I think that you can find a way to balance those things, mm-hmm. right? And you are allowed to sort of to decide who has access to this authentic part of you, right? You get to decide who you disclose to. And just because you choose not to disclose to certain people doesn't mean that you're not being out and proud, right? right. And I think, you know, like, I am way more queer on this podcast than I am in my work. But that doesn't mean that I'm not still a queer advocate in my work, right? right. Like, you can find ways to be able to show up in ways that are authentic to yourself while also protective because it is important for us to understand that like there are assumptions, there are, there are, there is bigotry around some things and that we have the right to protect ourselves from, from that reality. Um, So I want to say that like, I know this probably feels like a really big sort of like either or situation in your head right now. But I do think that you can find a way to sort of sit in a place that pushes you, right? That makes you uncomfortable so you can grow and be an advocate, but also doesn't mean that you have to be out there, like laid bare for people to put their prejudice, their bigotry on you. You can find a way to sort of exist in an in-between space. Yeah, I would would find, um, I would pick a couple people that you really love and respect and who have treated you with love and respect in the past. Somebody, people who make you feel safe Mm -hmm. and empowered and practice bringing this to them in a way that feels good to you. Um, And, and listen, receive their love because if I like, I'm going to assume some things here, but like, I think the people who love you most um, if they don't have the tools already are going to build the tools to support you through this. Right. Especially if you come to them with Mm -hmm. the, with the, if you bring the shared understanding to them that like, you're not here to be judged, you're not here to be treated differently. And that this is a gift to you. Um, It can be a gift to your loved ones as well. Um, But start with a couple Mm -hmm. people, start with people who make you feel safe already. Right. And then like Sam said, you don't have to spread yourself thin. You don't have to turn your underbelly out to the world and say, and, and put, make yourself more vulnerable than you need to be. Absolutely. It's like what Brene Brown says, that if you're not in the arena with me, then you don't get to have access, full access to me, right? That That is such a life-changing idea for me. The idea that like, if somebody mm-hmm. is not showing up with the same vulnerability, love and respect that I'm bringing, like they don't matter. <laughs> they just don't. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just been really empowering for me. So um, my darling closeted Audie, Please know that Sam and I adore you. We're so happy mm-hmm. for you. We're celebrating this with you. Um, even though our our opinion of your of your self discovery doesn't change it at all, we hope that it mm-hmm. uplifts you and continues to uplift you um, in this journey of your your truest, most authentic life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Our third and final letter comes to us from distressed bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Sierra. Me. <laughs> Who's writing to us from British Columbia, Canada. This letter has a trigger warning for sexual trauma. 
Dear Sierra and Sam, I recently discovered your podcast and have been catching up on episodes. You made me laugh and cry, and it feels so healing to hear you give advice on hard topics while making me feel like we're out for brunch drinking mimosas. I left an emotionally abusive relationship in August 2020, so about four months ago. I started dating my ex, let's call him Jim, he him, when I was 19, and we'd been together for 11 years. In the last few years, the abuse began to escalate. To be honest, it was the daily small abuses that made me feel so isolated, afraid, and desperately alone that finally made me leave. To make a long story short, I spent a long time having sex that I wasn't really interested in with someone I wasn't attracted to. Saying no put me in danger, which I've only really been able to realize and process very recently. It felt more like an obligatory sex to keep the relationship going than abuse or survival sex while it was happening. In hindsight, there was no reason that Jim found valid for me to say no to sex, maybe other than shitting my pants. One time, I tried to say no as I was struggling with flashbacks of a childhood sexual trauma, and he basically told me to stop thinking about it, and we had sex anyway. It's been about four months now since Jim and I broke up, and I started dating a woman. Let's call her Sarah, she, her. I have never explored my bisexuality before, and this is my first relationship with a woman other than crushes in high school. Sarah and I have been dating for about three weeks. We've had sex after two dates, and it was great. We text every day, and I feel very excited about getting to know her more. I took advice from one of your earlier podcasts, read some poignant advice from Ask Polly, and have been repeating, stay calm and open your heart as my new mantra. Sarah and I recently had sex again, and it was mostly great. However, there was some things that made me feel uncomfortable, and I often have this daunting feeling after we spend time together that I should end it all now to avoid pain and heartbreak in the future. I am a 30-year-old woman, and I thought I, that I understood consent, but now I'm questioning that. How do I know the difference between a sexual act that I'm not interested in, but do it anyway because my partner enjoys it? I'm talking innocuous like spanking and sexual acts that are so unenjoyable that they no longer can be considered consensual. I'm struggling to stay calm and open my heart while following my instincts, especially since my instincts tell me that it's just safer to never pursue a committed relationship again to avoid being betrayed and abused. Oh, mm. distressed bisexual, thank you so much for writing and for penning this very vulnerable question. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry that you had to go through that abuse. I'm sorry that you had to make decisions that compromised who you were and what you wanted in order to um, keep yourself safe. Um, but I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad that you found ways to keep yourself safe and that now you're in a place where you don't have to think in that way anymore. Um but I know that it's hard. It is really, really hard to how, to unlearn that behavior. And, and it's really hard to sort of question, feeling yourself question all of the things around you because for so long you didn't have a clear sense of what was true and what wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I just, I really feel that. And I appreciate you you trusting us with, with sort of that authentic glimpse into what you're going through. Yeah, I agree. Um, and... I want to say too, like, I don't think this is necessary, but potentially it will make you feel less alone. I relate to this letter so much. I relate to mm -hmm. the relationship um, with Jim. I relate to the unfolding afterwards, your understanding of your body and sex and the confusing definition of consent, especially when it comes to 
your physical being, you know? I remember mm-hmm. um, there was a time in my life in which I could not have penetrative sex with a man without feeling triggered, even if I even if I wanted that man, even if I loved them mm-hmm. and that I I I went wholeheartedly into that relationship, you know, our 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 intellectual understandings of things often are conflated by our physical memory, you know, but by the actual mm-hmm. f- f- touch memory, you know, the the mm-hmm. the recalling of our flesh sensations things like that. It it makes it it makes an already confusing, um, nuanced thing that is sexuality, right? And sexual experience that much more confusing because we have our brain telling us one thing. We have our body telling us another. And sometimes even our heart telling, you know, like we have these intersecting narratives, you know, that don't always make sense. Um, and, I just want you to know that you're not alone in this experience and that these questions, this, this, this revisiting to the idea of consent um, and pleasure is not abnormal at all. And Mm -hmm. and I'll echo Sam's sentiments. I'm so sorry that you went through that experience, but I also want to gently remind you that you, that you went through that, through that experience and you, you did what you had to do to survive, right? You did what mm-hmm. you had, what you thought you needed to do in that moment to 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 stay in love, to please your partner, to keep yourself safe, and that you didn't betray yourself, right? You might have put yourself in situations that you regret, that you that you wish you didn't, that you don't want to return to, but you didn't betray yourself. You mm-hmm. survived, and now you're here, mm-hmm. and that's something yep. worth celebrating. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about um, sort of the big question that you ask here, which is like, how do I know when I'm consenting to something that is sort of uncomfortable for me? Because like, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Spanking is a perfect example. Yep. Right. Spanking is a perfect example. And when am I doing something that's so uncomfortable for me that it is, it's no longer serving me well, right? It is no longer something that I feel like I've actively consented to. Um, And that's a nuance that is really nuanced. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, let's, that's just like a question that Sam and I are incapable of answering because of the, the quality of the question. It is so mm-hmm. profound and so thoughtful um, mm-hmm. that we're just going to like stumble over it for the next 10 minutes. So forgive us in advance. <laughs> so so you're asking us like an impossible question not that it is a wrong question i think that this is a very uh more universally thought idea than you than i think we would be led to believe um Mm -hmm. but yeah so i want to set the stage and then i'm gonna pass the ball to sam even though neither of us really played sports ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) but i want to set the stage by saying um and I've said this before on the podcast that like sex, sexuality, sexual identity, desire to, you know, the act of having sex with another person or more than one person is mm-hmm. a very complicated thing. It's, it's just naturally going to be 
we're looking for a black and white. This is what I'm trying to say. We're looking for a black and white answer to a question that is rainbow, right? Like we're, we're looking for, <laughs> yeah. you're asking us a question, distressed bisexual to say like, what is consent? And, and I'm not even sure if we have the language I don't know if language can do us the justice of this question because human experience is so, so, so complicated and sex is complicated. Desire is complicated because you have these two or more people. Go ahead, Sam, take it. I am trailing off. (laughs) No, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I just fell on the sword for your articulation. (laughs) Like I was like, here, I'm going to, let's just go for it. No, I think that it's um, exactly what Sierra was saying, which is that like sex is complicated because it involves two or more people, right? Or at least sex that involves two or more people. Let's say that because sex can right. also be with yourself. But um, and so like and no two people coming into this situation are going to have completely compatible sex drives or like completely compatible desires, right? Because like you might be like super compatible with someone and they might like spanking and you're like spanking doesn't do it for me. And so there needs to always be like give and take in sexual relationships with people. And just because we find something, we consent to doing something that we're not super comfortable with or doesn't necessarily turn us on doesn't mean that we're not being authentic to who we are, right? Yeah. Because our authentic self might want to be in relationship with this person because yeah. this person does these things. And, and so we're making the conscious choice to say like, I don't spanking doesn't do it for me, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to consent to the spanking because I know that my partner wants it. And we have a healthy relationship where we are both sort of giving and taking and trying to be in relationship with each other. And I know that it turns them on. And so I'm going to do it, even though it doesn't, doesn't work for me, which is different than I'm going to have sex with someone because I'm afraid that if they say no, I will be hurt. I will be in yes. danger. I will be unsafe, right? Because I bet if you in this relationship with Sarah said, listen, I'm actually not really into spanking and I know that it's a big thing for you, but I don't want to do it, that that you wouldn't feel unsafe, right? Like that they wouldn't cause yeah. you physical harm or threaten physical harm on you. If they do, then like, let's talk about that because that's not acceptable, right? right? And I think that that's where the difference is in here. Like, are you consenting to something that you're not super into because you know that it's going to like make your partner happy and you're, you're, you are authentically making the choice that you want to make your partner happy in this moment? Or are you making this decision because you're afraid that you're unsafe if you say no? Yeah. And, and I know that's a really hard thing to parse, right? There's still a lot of layers and nuance in there, but but I want to say that like you can trust that you're not betraying yourself by saying yes to things that aren't necessarily your favorite things to do. Yeah. And I, I as you were talking so eloquently, I wrote out like the simplest equation of like what this letter is asking and why, why you, mm-hmm. d- distressed bisexual, and Sam and I struggle to find a clear answer in all of this, even though Sam just did it really eloquently. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, you're you're taking sexual trauma, which is 100% real. Let's take a small moment and mm-hmm. remember Absolutely. that like yep. sexual trauma doesn't just come from rape or sexual assault. It doesn't come from strangers popping out of the bushes, although it can, obviously. But that's, you know, 
these small, small um, heartbreaks, these small moments of trauma, these uh, these big moments of trauma, they all add up to equal this thing that you're now processing, this this sexual trauma, this whatever words you want to use it. So it's mm-hmm. sexual trauma plus what is consent divided by a new relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to I want to say it so plainly and so uh, bluntly like that, because I also just want to remind you, like, you're carrying a lot and you're looking for answers uh, you're you're requiring a lot of labor and answers from yourself in a situation in which you really require a lot of gentleness and a lot of grace mm. and a lot of nuance mm-hmm. and a lot of self-exploration because you're you're processing trauma, right? You're dealing with an 11 year relationship, right? And mm-hmm. the, I cannot I've never had a, an 11 year relationship. I do not understand. I don't have the lived experience to to comprehend how much unpacking from your life, from your psyche you have to do. So give yourself yep. some grace. You need to, there's a lot that you need to explore in this, right? You're dating for the first time in 11 years. Um, wow. You're, you're so brave to do that. You're, you're so brave mm-hmm. to look at, to try to like, Okay, I was in this relationship for 12 years, 11 years. Who am I now? And how did it impact me? Plus, you're asking these huge questions that come from something like sexual trauma. Like, can I consent to these things? What does it mean if I consent to something that I don't actually enjoy? And where does that non-enjoyment turn into non-consent, right? That's a big, heady, uh, beautiful question on top of that, you have the stress and anxiety of a new relationship after not dating for 11 years. I'm saying this all because I feel like I just want to remind you, my darling, my darling distressed bisexual friend, that um, you're expecting a lot of yourself. And and mostly I just want you to give yourself some gentleness right now. Um, be Absolutely. your best advocate, right? Like tell this new partner what you're processing um, and also remind yourself that as Sam said so beautifully, sex is so complicated and you're never, I'm going to stumble through this. So like Sam, help me Mm -hmm. articulate this. You are never going to live a life of having sex with having relationships, any sort of relationship with somebody in which everything comes. uh, That's a joke. uh, Sex joke. Okay. Everything. I'm sorry. I, you're never going to have relationships um, in which everything aligns perfectly, which yes. is to say you cannot live a life in which you avoid sexual incompatibilities. You cannot live a life yep. that avoids questioning consent. And I, I, I'm stuttering to say that I'm I'm tripping over words because I want to make sure. Obviously, Sam and I believe in consent culture. We want to combat rape culture. We believe in um, people who come forward and 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 say all of this. This so this none of this is to minimize that experience. It's to say that and we are just really complicated humans. And like Sam said, your compatibility, your compatibilities, your desires are never going to mesh perfectly, right? You're, mm-hmm. Yep. And that there is that 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 bizarre nebulous gray area where you can say, listen, I don't like being spanked. Like, I just it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't blow my skirt up. But if my partner likes to do it, I am not betraying yep. myself 
by allowing my partner to spank me. Instead, I'm exchanging something physically, romantically, spiritually, whatever you want to say, for the welfare of our relationship. And that cannot be an mm-hmm. act of harm against myself. However, if it become if it starts feeling as though you are betraying yourself if it starts feeling like harm if it starts really weighing on you that's when you have to lean into the deepest vulnerability outside of physicality which is telling your partner i'm uncomfortable with this i don't like this this is coming from sure. this is coming from past trauma and i need to share this with you absolutely and i think you know sex is so fraught with like it's just so big, right? It just feels so big and important and intense, and and because and we spend so stupid, much of our time, like, <laughs> yeah. like it's so bizarre, <laughs> like, right? Like, and because we spend so much of our time like not talking about it, um, it just feels like this like big thing. But it's also like it is one it is one component of a relationship, right? And like, and so I want to like I want to dethrone it a little bit, right? And say like. You know, when I consent to hanging out with one of my husband's family members that I don't like and makes me uncomfortable, I'm not betraying myself. Right. right? Like no one is no one looks at me and be like, wow, you you are like really betraying yourself. No, it's just like, right. Like, no, I'm making a decision (laughs) for the the benefit. (laughs) Right. Making a decision for the benefit of our relationship that I'm not super comfortable with, but I'm doing it with like full knowledge of what I'm I'm partaking in, right? right? Like I'm making a, an informed choice about spending time with this person or like if there's chores that I don't like to do, but I do them because like I want to make sure that the relationship is going well and I know that it that requires like me to do things I'm uncomfortable with. And I want to say that like that can exist in sex too. And I know that it's really fraught and that there's like a lot of a lot of stuff that's tied up in sex and consent and all of that. But I think if 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 these conversations of consent aren't serving us, then we need to really examine whether or not whether or not they're serving us. Right. And I want to say to you also that like Sierra and I who get paid to talk about this shit for have spent 20 minutes trying to figure this out with you. And we still haven't arrived at an answer that's yeah. like clear and cut, right? We have not I'm arrived so at a black and white response. I was like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And so I want you to take the burden off of yourself to have a clear answer to this question before you start engaging in relationship with people. Because yeah. it is a question that you are going to continue to learn and define and answer as you go along. And it's okay to make mistakes in this in this situation. It is okay to say like, oh, nope, that crossed the line. And now I know where that boundary is, right? And so I don't want you to feel like I want to just take the burden off of you to say like, this doesn't have to be 100% figured out for you before you engage in relationship. Mm-hmm. And you can learn on your own and you can learn in partnership with Sarah about where those lines are and where you need to ha- set set up some firm non-crossable boundaries and where you can provide a little bit of flexibility to engage in things that maybe don't thrill you but are important to her or that you are okay with and that don't trigger you or don't activate your your trauma around around the the sexual um trauma that you've been a part of and i think it's hard to do right especially in relationships that are you know that are coming out of abusive ones where it feels like where it feels like everything was so shades of gray that like we just want some oh rules <laughs> like we just want things so to like make real. more sense <laughs> but give yourself the grace to understand that you don't have to figure all of this out 
and that you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fuck up. And that doesn't mean that you're a bad person, doesn't mean that you're betraying yourself. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be in the same level of danger that you were in when you were with your partner. Yes. The one other thing that I'll just say is that um, I don't know if you are talking to a therapist at this point or or not, but, you know, I would definitely recommend this. Right. Like these are big questions that you're grappling with. And and I think it's super helpful to have, you know, two random strangers giving you relationship advice, but also someone who can sort of unpack the the meat of what you went through in your relationship with Jim, the questions that you're asking yourself now, and and maybe provide some guidance or to help frame those conversations for you in a way that's going to be helpful and, you know, like a little bit more personalized than just Sierra and I reading two paragraphs on a piece of paper and then and then trying to reach out to you. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I, one more thing really quickly, you have a right to say, to step away from sex for a while too. I think that's something I wish I did when I was unpacking some of the questions that you're unpacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like sex was the only currency in which I could receive love. And that's just not true. Um, you're definitely, I love what Sam said, like you're allowed to like explore and f- find new boundaries and like be like nope that's not it whatever um that's that's a a fine um great way to explore what your new boundaries are what your new your new consent is right um but you can also just step away from it if you want so yeah uh we love you we love you so dearly distressed bisexual my darling (laughs) thank you so much for writing thank you All right, that wraps up this episode and brings us to the blind date segment of our show. Every week we want to set you up with something we want to send you home with. This week it is a book um, called The Book of Dust, La Belle Sauvage. It's by uh, Philip Pullman, who's the person who wrote the um, His Dark Materials trilogy. This is Mm -hmm. like a new series that he's currently in the process of writing. So there are two books that are out so far. There's a third one coming. But I wanted specifically to recommend the audiobook version of it because it is narrated by Michael Sheen, who's like a very well-known sort of character actor. You have seen him in multiple things, I'm sure, even if you don't know his name. Um, And and I got this book through the Libby app, which Sierra recommended a few months ago. (laughs) Um, And it is just... Uh, the book itself is really good, but like the the characters that Michael Sheen brings into it. I'm telling you, audiobooks change everything. <laughs> it w- This was the first audiobook that I like literally ever listened to. And it was a few months ago. And since then, I so like I read, listened to this and I was like, oh, my God, audiobooks are fantastic. And then like listened to subsequent ones and was like, oh, they're not all this fantastic. It's really just this yeah, one yeah, that yep, set yep, me yep, up yep. with a really high expectation. Um, but it is. It's one of these those things where it's just like you you listen to it and you like lose you lose like hours at a time. It's because he is just so good at imbuing things with excitement and with emotion and with characters' voices. Um, it was it's just an excellent audiobook. It's a really fun story. Um, it is like it's one you know we're in this horrible pandemic and we are in <laughs> insurrections and we are dealing with racism and and what feels like a perpetual election and like this was such a wonderful escape from that to just like listen to this really amazing exciting story narrated by a very very talented person so it's called the book of dust la belle sauvage by philip pullman it's the audiobook that is narrated by michael sheen 
I cannot wait to nerd out with you about audiobooks. I am such an audiobook fan. <laughs> I love that we can now share this. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com. This is the only place that you can submit your letters. I've been getting a lot of DMs, but we only answer letters that are submitted through our website. The website is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our live show happening on Saturday, February 13th. Get your tickets now. Please remember to follow us so that you can get your episode exclusively on Spotify every Monday. And please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to uh, over 100 episodes in our backlogs. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording producing editing all magical things by our good friend big cats make sure to check out his podcast the what if podcast and remember you have the right to be heard to be validated to be seen in your true authenticity but other people don't get to determine what is authentic to you you don't need permission from anyone else to live your truth and if all else fails just break up